You're all planning the perfect Christmas whether you want to admit it or not. Do you know that? You are. In your minds, you have visions of the perfect Christmas, right? In your head, you are planning everything, and you're going to do everything in your power to make this the perfect Christmas, right? You're planning Christmas parties. You're planning, uh, you're shopping for the perfect gift for each person. You're making your travel plans. You're decorating the house. You're baking treats. You are planning the perfect Christmas, whether you know it or not. Every year we do. And we set the expectations really high. I mean, think about it. Think about the songs we sing. It's the most wonderful time of the year. Don't you think that's setting the bar a little high? Right? The most wonderful time of the year. Or some of you, and I know this is some of you, you're getting ready to watch 27 days in a row of Hallmark Christmas specials. Who... How many people here watch, watch the, Christmas, the Hallmark Christmas specials? You lie. Some of you men are like, I know I do. You, you watch, and some of you are going to watch them over and over and over and over again. Guys, get ready, because at some point your wife in the next few days is going to say, Honey, sit down and watch a movie with me. Let me prepare you for this experience. Guys, there are only three plot lines to this entire experience. All right? You just need to understand there's only a few variables here, right? A woman who is a writer or a marketing executive or a lawyer or an interior designer from the big city is going to come and meet a baker, a Christmas tree farmer, a coffee shop owner, or a, or a single dad or a candlestick maker, right, from this small town who happens to be her old high school flame. Now, they're going to meet up in this little town. It's going to be a small town. It's always a small town. It could be a small town in New England. It could be a small town in the Midwest. It could be a small town with snow, small town with some sort of a Christmassy name, right? And then she is finally going to realize that despite all of her fame and money and success, that it really won't buy her love. And so at the big Christmas parade or at the big Christmas children's fundraiser, at the big Winter Wonderland Christmas concert, the guy is going to come in wearing a flannel shirt looking muscular or he's going to be in a Santa suit or something like that and he is going to propose marriage to this lady after her being in town for only four days they've been separated for like 15 years and after four days she's going to oh yes and it's going to be wonderful and the credits will roll okay that's how it works every single time how many people here think you are going to have a Hallmark Christmas Channel Christmas raise your hand how many of you here think you're going to have a Real Housewives of Lodi Christmas. Right? It's going to be closer to that, right? That, that's the thing about Christmas, right? Um, it, what if Christmas this year just doesn't live up to our expectations? What if it, it sort of disappoints? Maybe not the worst Christmas, but what if this year was just like mediocre? What if this year was like, eh, it was better than last year, but that eh, wasn't as good as some other years, right? Just okay, not great, not bad but not the worst. And, and so the problem with expectations is, is we have these expectations. And when we don't meet those expectations, which we never meet those expectations, it tends to rob us of our joy and rob us of our peace. And so today we are going to look at, hopefully, a more realistic way to approach Christmas this year. What if this year, and sort of the premise of this series has been, what if you invited the Holy Spirit in living in you to participate in every part of the Christmas season. 
You're not just planning to come to church on Christmas Eve. That's all fine and good. You're not just planning to read the Christmas story on Christmas morning. But what if you invited the Holy Spirit into every part of this Christmas season? What if every tradition, while you're tree decorating, you're thinking about the Holy Spirit and how the Holy Spirit could flow through you? What if during cookie baking or, or gift shopping or every Christmas party, the white elephant gift exchange, some of you could be kinder during the white elephant gift exchange, if you know what I mean. You know, what if the Holy Spirit worked in all of those things? What would it look like? What would that even be? How would you do that? Well, this morning we're going to talk about this morning. And, and this morning I want to talk to you about um, a couple of ideas, fruit of the Spirit, that come out of this that we traditionally identify with Christmas. And they are joy and peace. Now, if you have a three-person family, when you first get married and have your first kid, on your mantle, you hang the word joy, right? And it hangs your Christmas stockings because you've got three people. If you have four people in your, in your, you use love or hope and you hang those up. If you've got five people in your family, like we did growing up, we have peace running across our mantle, holding all of our stockings. If you have more family members than that, like where's the Gaither family? They have peace on earth, goodwill towards men is what they have on, the, on their uh, but but we these ideas go along with Christmas. And so this morning we're going to jump into it because I want you to see we normally write these things on Christmas ornaments. We buy, you know, things at Hobby Lobby with these written on them. But they are literally fruit of the Spirit. The Spirit brings about joy and peace. And so uh, we're going to look at that this morning. I want to focus in on this one verse in Romans chapter 15, verse 13. We're going to sort of unpack it and put it back together. Um, but I want you to see it this morning. Would you read it with me? It's no fun if I do this alone. I pray that God, the source of what? He's the source of hope. Will fill you completely with what? And what else? Joy and peace. Because you trust in him. Then you will. That's an important word. Overflow with what? Confident hope through the power of who? Holy Spirit. Now I want you to look at that verse. First thing in your, in your notes outlined in your Bible. Would you circle, highlight, underline that word overflow? Overflow is the point of this, right? This is what we want us to do. The Holy Spirit, we want you to overflow in us in these categories of joy and peace. And, and that's going to lead to hope. And so it doesn't have to come from you as sort of the first point of this. It comes from an overflow of the Holy Spirit in you. So let's start with the idea of joy. Let's start with joy this morning. Ready? Because it all begins with joy. We're going to listen to the Christmas story here in the, in the book of Luke, Luke chapter 2. It says, but the angel reassured them. Don't be afraid, he said. He said, I bring you what? Good news. That will bring you what? Great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord has been born today. Where? In Bethlehem, the city of David. Right? That is the story. That is the story. And the Christmas story begins with this message of joy. It's great joy, we're told in the scripture, that this baby would bring joy to all, to his mother, to his father, to his community, but then even to some traveling wise men. Let's pick up the story here in Matthew chapter 2. This is a little bit later. And the star that they had seen in the east guided them to where? Same place, Bethlehem. It went ahead of them and stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were what? They were filled with joy when they saw the star. And they entered the house and saw the child with his mother, Mary. And they bowed down and worshiped him. Then they opened their treasure chests and gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Now these wise men had traveled a long distance. Uh, anybody do any traveling this holiday season? 
Uh, no? Okay, I was the only one in the airports. Gotcha. Uh, my wife and I were traveling, and there's, you know, we had flights delayed and, you know, all the stuff that goes along with traveling. Traveling's a pain. It's a pain trying to get to where you're going from, uh, to and from. I, I saw one headline of, of all of I-15 was completely shut down between L.A. and, and, uh, and in Vegas. And, and I was thinking to myself, man, what a pain it is to travel. These guys had been traveling for months and months and months following this, this star. They had encountered hardship. They had, uh, they had dealt with this lying, murderous tyrant of a king, King Herod. But they were still following the star, right? And they kept seeking it after everything that had been challenging for them, right? And they recognized the arrival of joy. That's what they saw, joy in the world. And they were filled with joy as they responded to it. And here's the thing about joy. Joy sometimes is hard for us to recognize along the way. Sometimes it's hard to recognize that joy is there, especially because if it doesn't look exactly the way we thought it would look, we expect joy to be free of worry and free of hardship. But that's not joy, that's happiness. Happiness is easy when everything's going right, when your planes are on time and the freeway's moving fast. It's all fine and good. When they have everything you need at the store, it's all fine and good. But joy is this idea of something that happens despite what hardships are in our way, right? Um, It's found in the midst of hard things. James chapter 1 says it this way. This is not in your outlines, but consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, when you face trials of many kinds. That's what joy is, is when you can find that in the midst of trials, right? Nothing about Jesus' birth was easy. Not a thing about it. There was this scandalous pregnancy of a 15-year-old who was engaged. There was a massive road trip to Bethlehem on the verge of delivering a baby, right? There was uh, no space at the end. There was giving birth in a cave. There was, um, there was a psychotic king that was trying to kill all of the babies under the age of two immediately after they were born. They had all of these trials over and over again. And yet we see the identification of Jesus coming is joy, great joy. And so even in the midst of the trials in our life, we have to choose joy. We have to choose joy. And I know that that sounds uh, trite and cheesy, but I want to look at a couple of verses here in 1 Thessalonians as we talk about joy. And in 1 Thessalonians 5.16, what does it say? Always be joyful. Sounds easy, right? I mean, just always? Okay, always be joyful, right? I know it sounds cheesy, but we really do have to make a conscious choice to choose joy. Now, I want to make sure that we understand each other of this because you can't just close your eyes and focus on joy. I'm joyful, I'm joyful, I'm joyful, I'm joyful. You can't do it. It's, in fact, it's counterproductive when you do that. We've talked about this idea that the fruit of the Spirit, you can't white knuckle the fruit of the Spirit, right? Um, You can't just create it by trying harder. You have to choose to live in some ways that will bring joy. You have to choose in some ways, live in some ways that will bring joy. Now, this is a little bit similar to working out or your physical health. You can't just say, I want to be in shape, I want to be in shape, I want to be in shape. I got a six-pack, I got a six-pack, I got a six-pack. You can't say that, right? You've got to choose some behaviors that will lead to that, right? You can't manifest a kettlebell workout. Oh, I feel the burn. I feel the burn. You have to actually pick up the weights and do the work in order to do that. And so it's sort of the same. We have to choose some behaviors that lead to joy, that bring joy. Uh, We have to give thanks. We have to choose to obey God's commands. We choose to abide in Christ regularly. And when we do these things, we open ourselves up to the Spirit and the fruit of joy begins to live in us, right? And, and so 
I would say to you today, if you are not experiencing joy, if you've got no joy in your life today, choose prayer. Choose prayer to begin with. 1 Thessalonians 5.17, the follow-up verse says, always be joyful, what? And never stop praying. Always be joyful, never stop praying. Here's an idea. If you are lacking joy today, ask God for it. Ask God for it. You ever have this mean? God, I am struggling today. These people are ticking me off. Anybody else have that at Thanksgiving? Yeah? Where you're like, these people are annoying me. I, 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 I need you because I just don't have the joy today, God. Would you give me joy? Give me a better attitude, right? Or, or you could even ask God specifically for whatever it is in your life that's robbing you of joy. John chapter 16, verse 24. Again, this is not in your outlines. If you want to write this in the margin, you can. John 16, 24 says this. You haven't done this before, but ask using my name and you will receive and you will have abundant joy. If joy is a fruit of the Spirit, when the Spirit is inside of you, you have joy bubbling up inside of you. When you are lacking joy, that is an oppression coming from either the world around us Or we have a very real spiritual enemy that would love to take your joy. He would love to just steal steal your joy from you this holiday season. And so ask the Spirit to give you your joy back. Holy Spirit, give me my joy back. Um, How do we do this? Well, we don't just go through a laundry list of what we want for Christmas. I would tell you if you're not experiencing joy, you need to pray, but you need to choose Thanksgiving as a part of your prayers. Choose Thanksgiving as a part of your prayers. The last couple of verses in 1 Thessalonians says this. Be what? Thankful. When? In all circumstances. For this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus and do not what? Stifle the Holy Spirit. Do you know the Holy Spirit can be stifled? Do you know you could stifle the Holy Spirit by choosing behaviors that would rob you of joy and peace? You could end up stifling the Holy Spirit, right? And so I would tell you to choose gratitude. When you don't feel joyful, give thanks. Try it out loud. Say three things that you are thankful for. This is not rhetorical, people. Name three three things that you're thankful for. Shout them out. Shout them out. I don't care who's listening. The people next to you might hear you. They're not going to be weirded out that you're thankful for that. Say it. Because I'll tell you what happens. You start naming out loud things you're thankful for. For my family, I'm thankful, God, that you provide. I'm thankful. Do you know what I say almost every morning? God, I'm thankful I slept in a warm bed last night because there are people who don't. Start naming the things you're thankful for. And three turns into five and five turns into ten. And when you start getting a list going like that, all of a sudden you'll start to feel your joy return. You'll start to see it happen. It's counterintuitive because when we don't feel joyful, what do we normally like to do? Complain. We like to complain and bark, you know what's wrong with this and uh, you know why that didn't happen and it's not fair that I didn't. And guess what? You start spiraling away from joy. If you start being thankful, God will give you joy. It will return. The Spirit will bring joy to your heart, right? And a sense of joy will lead to peace. And so that verse we started with in Romans says, he will fill you completely with joy and peace. See, joy leads to peace. So let's talk about peace just a little bit here. In the book of Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah told of the coming Jesus as a child at Christmas. In Isaiah chapter 9, it says this, For a child is born to us, a son is given to us, and the government will rest on his shoulders, 
And he will be called, what's he going to be called? Wonderful Counselor. What else? Mighty God. What else? Everlasting Father and the Prince of Peace. He's going to be called the Prince of Peace. Jesus came to bring peace to the world. Listen to the Christmas account again in the book of Luke chapter 2. It says, the Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today where? In Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognize him by this sign. You'll find a baby wrapped snugly, not smugly, snugly in strips of cloth, lying in a manger. Suddenly, the angel was joined by a vast host of others. The armies of heaven, picture this, the armies of heaven praising God and saying, glory to God in highest heaven. And what else? And peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. The Prince of Peace came to bring peace on earth. Now let me ask you, what do you think about when you hear the word peace? Because right now we think about war, right? Our world is war-torn, ravaged by war. There is a massive conflict happening in the Middle East, right? And we hear about the war over and over again. There's another war still raging in Ukraine. We don't even hear about it anymore, do we? Still going, still fighting, Still, you know, going back and forth, they're, they're doing that. We, we think about even, it, it kind of blows my mind, we have war protests here for wars that are thousands of miles and oceans away. People, you know, at the Thanksgiving Day Parade throwing themselves in the middle of the thing. We, when we think of peace, it's because we think of war. War, this idea of conflict, never leaves our, our world. Well, peace is, 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 stands in direct opposition to this conflict, right? And when you think of the holidays, many of you, the reason you don't have peace is because you've got some conflict. You want peace in your home? You want peace in your holidays? You have to think about it in terms of the conflicts that are normally present there. We long for peace to break through the conflicts. The entire purpose of Christmas, the entire purpose of Christmas, the whole reason God would send his son, born of a virgin, to live amongst us, to to die on the cross for us, is so that we could have peace. It, It starts with peace with God. God sent his son as a substitutionary death that he would make peace with us sinners by sending his son to die. And we have this peace with God because Jesus came, right? But then the Holy Spirit fills us, and he wants that peace, especially during the holidays, to leak out, to overflow onto others, right? And so it should play out in our lives that the Holy Spirit should overflow in our peace with others. We need to have peace with other people. Matthew chapter 5 says it this way. So if you are presenting a sacrifice at the altar in the temple, you came to church, you're doing your thing, you look good. And you suddenly remember that someone has something against you. What are you supposed to do? Leave your sacrifice. He there at the altar. Go and what? Be reconciled to that person. Then come and offer your sacrifice to God. For many people, the reason why Christmas is such a difficult time of the year is because you have a broken relationship with someone in your lives. Someone that you probably during the holidays would be spending time with, right? And you dread going to family gatherings because they might be there, they're going to be there. You dread going to the office party because you have such a broken relationship with that person, right? You, you dread being in those environments because you have hurt feelings, you have long-standing grudges, and there is no peace in your relationship with some other people around you. 
And Romans chapter 12 makes it so simple. It says this, do what? Do all that you can. Do everything that you can to live what? With who? With everyone. Listen, if you have no peace right now in your life because of a conflict with someone, I want you to reconcile. If you've got no peace, you need to reconcile. Fix it. No excuses. Fix it. No peace. Reconcile. Reminds me of a story of a newly married couple. This newly married couple, uh, they met and fell in love and got married within six months. Like three months dating, three months engaged, got married at six months. Actually, Nicole and I, we were only nine months. Four months engaged, five, uh, four months dating, five months engaged, then we got married. Because of that, this young couple who had only been together a little while. They had never had a fight. Remember at the beginning when everything was sunshine and roses all the time? Yeah. Nicole and I still haven't had our first fight. So, uh, but they had never had a fight. So it happened one morning as they're getting ready for work. They're newlyweds and they were lovey-dovey. But then all of a sudden something came up. In fact, to this day, they say, we don't even remember what the fight was about. But the fight got intense fast. And it was back and forth and louder, and louder, and suddenly there were insults, and there were names, and there were words you shouldn't say, and they were going back and forth, and back and forth, and it was getting heated, 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 and the husband eventually says, listen, we are going to be late for work. I am going to be late for work. We have got to stop this right now. Not another word. We will deal with this when we get home from work, And they looked at each other and they made this agreement and they both went off to their corners and began to get ready for work. As he walked into the kitchen, though, she turned around and hit him with one last zinger. And he was fuming. He was so mad. And all of a sudden it flared up again and they're going at each other. And finally he goes, I have to leave right now. And she said, that's fine. She said, but the least you could do is zip me up. And she turned around and her dress needed to be zipped up. And he walked over to her and he grabbed the zipper on her dress and he went, zip, 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 zip. And she turned around and was fuming. But she couldn't even get a word out. She was so mad. And they walked out and went off to their separate ways. Well, she's driving to work. And as she's driving to work, she must hit every, she's fuming. And she must hit every red light on the way to work. And on the way to work, she walks into, uh, she's a teacher. So she walks into her school and she's walking down the hallway. You ever seen a woman walk mad? She's walking mad and the principal notices and said, is that how women walk mad? I don't know if I got that right. Uh, he looked, the principal sees her and obviously knows she's upset. He says, what's wrong? And she goes, blah, she starts to cry and she just loses it. And, and he's like, whoa, 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 what's, what's happening? And she's like, my husband, I this, I this. And so, so he, he says, whoa, 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 calm down, calm down, calm down. He goes, I'll tell you what, why don't you just, just take the day off, take the day off. You need to cool down, obviously. I will get your classes covered. You go ahead and just go home and, and, and fix it with your husband. And so, so she finally leaves and she gets in her car, but the whole way home, she's just stewing. She is so mad. And so she's stewing the whole way home. She's thinking of the way that when he zipped that dress, he had that little smirk on his face when she turned back around. And she's just fuming. Well, as she gets home to her house, she notices that her husband's truck is still parked in the driveway. And, and it's still sitting right there. She goes, oh, that's weird. He didn't go to work. And as she gets out of the car, she sees two legs standing you know, underneath the front of the truck. And so she, as she is walking up, she gets this idea. I know how I'm going to get him back. 
And so she walks over and she puts her legs around either side of him and she grabs his zipper and goes, zip, 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 zip. And she hears like a head hit the oil bank. Oh, you know, and she walks inside and she is feeling so good about herself. And as she opens the door and looks at the kitchen table, her husband is sitting at the kitchen table. And she says, what are you doing home? And he said, well, the truck broke down. Thank God the pastor came over to help fix it. If you have a conflict, fix it, people. Reconcile. Make it right. Settle it already, right? Listen, here's the thing. You can't change the past. Can't change it. You you can't change what's already happened. What you can change is your attitude towards that person. You can decide to make an effort to make it better. And right now, some of you are thinking, but Steve, you don't know. You don't know what they did. You don't know how they did it. You don't know. They never apologized. They never showed any remorse. They never, you know what my response is? I don't care. Do everything you can. Do everything you can, right? You can be the bigger person. You can. Um, Listen, the only way reconciliation ever happens is if one party initiates reconciliation. Let me tell you something. God initiated reconciliation with you when he sent his son to earth. And so we need to be the kind of people that choose reconciliation, right? Listen, the option is you can live without peace. You don't have to have peace in your life. Every time you're getting ready to go to a holiday gathering, you could say, is so-and-so going to be there? If they are, I'm not going. Great. That's not much of a life. But, but people do that. You can choose to live without peace or you can choose to reconcile a broken relationship and restore the peace. Now, the problem with peace is that's all fine and good if it's with another person. But sometimes peace isn't with another person. Sometimes what's broken, the peace that's broken is broken inside of you. It's just you. And you just don't happen to have any peace within. You don't have any peace within. You don't have any peace within yourself. And, and the, this is the part of peace that really Pastor Steve shouldn't be talking about. My wife could tell you right now, she, she would tell you, I struggle with this every day. I struggle um, with this peace that seems to escape me, right? I live without a lot of peace within me. I live with this constant battle within myself to find peace. I battle it all the time. I somehow believe that the whole world depends upon me. Anybody? Anybody? I realize how stupid that sounds when you say it out loud. But I genuinely believe, I better fix this. I better worry about this. I better be the one who... And so I struggle with this idea of this this peace that I don't have all the time, right? Um, And and I struggle with it because Philippians chapter 4 talks about this idea of worry where I spend a lot of time worrying about things that really is not that important. Philippians 4 says, don't worry about what? Anything. Instead, pray about what? Everything. Tell God what you need. Hey, God, I need this. And thank him for all he has done. There's Thanksgiving again. When Then you will experience God's peace. That elusive peace which exceeds anything we can understand. His what? Peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. And the thing that keeps us from peace is this constant worrying and stewing about things. We tend to worry about a lot of things that we can't change 
and there's no point to worrying. Uh, it can't help us at all. And we know that, yet we can't seem to help ourselves. And we worry anyway. And for some people, really, mostly for me, this ends up being a constant low-grade angst all the time. I just kind of have this angst all the time. But some people, it tips over into full-blown anxiety. And we have an epidemic of anxiety going on in our society right now. And, and, and then we feel bad for feeling anxious. Oh my gosh, I'm anxious. I feel so anxious. And, and the truth of the matter is, is that it's, it's such a weird phenomenon. I was, I've been reading this book by Max Licato. Max wrote a book about the Holy Spirit. I've been enjoying it. If you'd like something to get somebody at Christmas, it's called Help is Here. It's about the Holy Spirit in our life. He wrote it during the pandemic, and it's, it's really good. Um, but I want to read to you just a quick little excerpt from this book um, about anxiety. Licato says, anxiety, this emotion, the emotion is not a sign of weakness, immaturity, or demon possession. It is simply the result of living in a fast-changing, challenging world. Does that sound like Christmas to anybody? It's just kind of coming at you. Anxiety is not a sign of weakness, but anxiety does weaken us. Right? It takes our sleep. It numbs our minds. It clutters our heart with dread. Yet help is here. You have at your fingertips the surest antidote for trepidation, the Holy Spirit himself. He is the calming presence of God in the world today, and he will help you defy the voices of fear and draw nigh to the presence of peace. The antidote for anxiety is the Holy Spirit. There's no point to worry. I mean, Jesus himself talks about it, right? In in the book of Matthew, he talks about it this way. He says, that is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life. Whether you have enough food or drink or enough clothes to wear, isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Look at the birds. I take care of the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns, for your heavenly Father feeds them. And aren't you far more what? Aren't you far more valuable to him than they are? Can all your what? Worries at a single moment to your life? They can't. They absolutely can't. So let me tell you something. If you are struggling with peace today, if you have no peace I would invite you to pray. Noticing a uh, trend here? Got no joy? Pray. No peace? Pray. We're told in that Philippians passage, right, uh, to offer the things troubling us to God. Put it in his court and let him worry about it. Can I tell you something? God ain't worried about it. It's us that worries. God ain't worried about it. And so our very first response when we're feeling like a lack of peace would be just to pray. God, give me peace. God, take care of this thing that I'm worried about. Um, We don't need to worry about those things. The Holy Spirit will give you that sense of peace and will begin to take care of the problems that you can. Even when we don't, even when we don't know what to pray. You ever have those moments where you're not even sure what to pray anymore? I mean, Romans chapter 8, this is not in your outlines. If you want to write this in the margin, you can. Romans chapter 8, verse 26 and 27 says, and the Holy Spirit in our weakness, right? He, for example, we don't know what, God wants us to pray for. But the Holy Spirit prays for us. Holy Spirit will pray for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. You ever have that moment where you don't even know what to pray for anymore? For that person who's got cancer and you're like, God, I don't, God, either would you heal them or, or take them home? I don't know what to pray. You ever have that prayer where you're like, the father of like a prodigal son and as you're praying you're like god would you just be patient with my son and gentle or maybe i should be praying god that you throw him into a pig pen where he's got nothing left i don't know what to pray god 
You ever had that moment where you're praying for a marriage and you're like, I don't even, I don't even know where to start, God. I don't know what. The Holy Spirit inside of you, when you have no peace and you've got no words, you, the Spirit will pray for you. The Spirit knows what to pray for. But there's something else we can do, and I want to give you these are a little bit more practical. The first one is if you don't have peace, remember. Remember. Um, Paul says in Philippians, thank him for all he has done. And that is just a look back at the way that God has done. Think of all the things God has done for you. Think of all the tragedies in your life. Think of all the heartaches and hardships that you've been through. Think of all the other times in your life when God has provided, right? Think of all the old worries that were overwhelming and you had no idea, no answer, and God has met those worries because you're not worried about them anymore. Remember all the times that God has done that. We, sometimes we get so frustrated and so swept up that we forget all the ways that God has provided in the past. Nicole and I have a saying. We've had it in our house for years and years and years. It goes like this. God didn't bring us this far to drop us on our head now. He just didn't. He's not planning it. Wait, oh, wait till I get to 2024. That's when I drop them on their head. God has always provided. He has always come through. He has always shown up. And he will provide and come through and show up again and again and again. And lastly, this is the last one. No peace, remember, or prepare. One of the other things we can do is to actually take action. We can prepare. Um, Instead of sitting around and worrying, you can do something about that event that you're worried about. Put into action what God has called you to do. And and God doesn't want a bunch of worries to sit around and worry about the worst outcome. That doesn't get anything done. Sometimes we just need to get on to doing what God has called us to do. Prepare. Listen, if you are in college and you are worried about that final that's coming up, I have an idea for you. Study! You can study, right? If you have a, uh, a big work you know, project coming up and you're thinking to yourself, I don't know how it's going to go and I'm so stressed out about it and I'm worried, you can spend extra time preparing. You can go over the presentation again. You can prepare for those things, right? If you're worried about your finances... Crack open a spreadsheet and start making numbers and lists so that you know that by the time I get done with Christmas, I'm going to have some money in the bank still, and I'm not going to be overdrawn. Listen, if your marriage is struggling, you can go into action. You can come home with flowers tonight. You can plan a date night with your, with your spouse, with your wife. You could take your wife away on a weekend trip. Do you guys know that weekend trips are like magic? You could take your wife away to a small snowy town in Connecticut where there's a Christmas cotillion just waiting. Never mind. Okay. You don't have to be stuck without peace. You can actually go into action and prepare for what is troubling us. And then the last thing is is this. I want to talk to you about this one thing because this is one that people struggle with is this idea of peace without. Because there are some things we have no control over. No control over peace without any of the answers. The situations where we just, I, I, can't do any, I can't do anything about the war in the Middle East. I can't do anything about the war in Ukraine. I can't do anything about the economy. I, like There are some things that we cannot change. There's chaos and no calm. Hurt that we cannot heal for someone else that we love, right? Violence that we don't understand. We can, how do we find peace in, without a solution on the horizon? In John 16, says it like this. I have told you all of this so that you may have what? Peace in me. Regardless of the situation, you can have peace in me. Here on earth, you will have many. 
And what else? Sorrows that you got no control over. But take heart because I have what? Listen, we live in a broken world, people. We live in a world without peace, with pain and heartache. And every Christmas that happens over and over again. He understands when we're discouraged. He understands when we can't seem to find peace. But he wants to encourage us that peace is coming. The Prince of Peace is going to bring peace to the world. And there's going to come a time where his peace reigns supreme. And nothing they can do about it will overcome his peace. Right? But what do we do in that moment when we need peace? And there's no easy or fast solution? Let me give you Philippians chapter 4, verses 8 and 9. It says, And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is what? True. And what else? And what else? And? And, and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Keep putting into practice all you learned and received from me, everything you heard from me and saw me doing. Then the God of peace will be with you. I would tell you, you don't have peace right now. Focus on the good. Focus on the good. Focus on those things that are good. Um. A few years ago, I got a phone call on Christmas Eve. I pastored a church that met in a high school gymnasium for like 16 years. And so every year we did our Christmas Eve service on Christmas Eve Eve so that we didn't tick off the custodians and everybody in the school district. And we had a great time. But one of the benefits of that was that on Christmas Eve, I could really turn the corner and really be fully present for my family and enjoy my family and enjoy the holiday, enjoy cousins and and, uh, aunts and uncles and all that other kind of stuff. But on this particular Christmas Eve, I got a phone call about 5 o'clock. I want to say we were headed to church here that that day uh, just to visit. And it was a phone call from a family in my church asking me to come. And I knew the moment I got the call, oh, this is going to be terrible. And so I drove up um, to their house in Elk Grove where uh, their mom, she was a single mom, had kids that were all the way from high school down to about eight, nine years old. And she was being brought home uh, to go on to hospice care for cancer. And she was going to die. And I knew they were calling me because she was at the end. And so I drove over to her house, and I, I was having this internal, I had no peace, no peace whatsoever about it. I was, think, I was so mad because I had no control. And I was just like, God, what is happening right now? Why, why is this, what am I supposed to do? I can't do anything for these people. I can show up, I can pray, I can't do anything for these kids that are going to lose their mom on Christmas Eve, or maybe, luckily, she might cross over to Christmas Day, and forever they will have this memory of Christmas Eve or Christmas Day as the day that they lost their mom. I had no peace about it whatsoever. There was nothing I could do. And in just being faithful, I drove up to their house. And I walked up to the front door and knocked on the door, and they let me into their house. And as I walked into their house, uh, their front room had been set up as the hospice area. So there was a hospital bed there. She was lying there. Family was all gathered around. But there was music playing. It was like Christmas music playing. The lights were down low, and there was like the the low glow of the Christmas tree. And wafting in from the kitchen was fresh Filipino food being cooked. Which, by the way, if you don't know about that, that is joy. Smells so good. I grew up in San Jose. Filipino food was part of my life. And as I walked in this room, this feeling of peace washed over me. 
And here's the thing. I still didn't have any solution. There was still nothing I could do. The situation was still terrible. But for some reason, because I was there in that moment, the peace of this loving family being together, this peace of a mom who knew Jesus well and was going to be ushered into his presence, it overwhelmed me with a kind of peace that I can't explain. Sometimes you have to just focus on the good. And that leads me to so what, Steve? So what do I do with this? Well, I want to point you back to Romans 15, 13. I pray that God, the source of what? Hope. Will fill you completely with what? Joy and peace because you trust in him and then you will what? Overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. So I have a confession to make as I stand up here to preach. I am struggling with joy this Christmas. I'm struggling with joy this Christmas. We spent this last week uh, out of town visiting family for Thanksgiving. And for the first time in 27 years of marriage, I didn't have even one of my kids sitting at the Thanksgiving table with me. And I was sitting at this table, and I was thinking about that. And I mean, we're in this really weird season of life where our kids are launching, and they, some of them have work that they couldn't get out of. Some of them are in different cities and in different states. And, and it was just Nicole and I, and all of our rhythms and routines are upset. And to be honest with you, like we've always kind of bounced back and forth on Thanksgiving and Christmas with, with our families of origin. But this year, not a single one of my kids was sitting at the table. And I was, it felt weird, and it felt depressing. And it was robbing me of my joy and my peace. But here's the thing. The holidays and Christmas offers us opportunities to practice joy and peace. And so as we were sitting down at this Thanksgiving table with people that I would have never put together eating Thanksgiving together, um, they asked me to pray. By the way, why is the pastor always got to pray? Can I just say... I'm at Thanksgiving just like you. You could pray for the meal. But I was glad they did because I got to pray this prayer. And sometimes when I'm praying, I pray and there's a little bell that goes off in your head. Prayer should be over now. Prayer should be over now. But I decided to ignore that bell and I just kept praying. And I just kept listing the things that I was thankful for. I was genuinely thankful for the people that were gathered around that table. I was genuinely thankful for the things that are good in my life. I was genuinely thankful for... My, my wife, I know there are those who have lost spouses and it's so hard and I'm genuinely thankful for her. And I'm genuinely thankful for so many things that eventually, the longer I prayed, the more the peace and joy welled up inside of me. And so this is sort of the, so what, if you will know peace and you will know joy, then that hope will overflow in you this holiday season. And my hope isn't in a great Christmas. My hope isn't in a perfect season. My hope isn't in all the plans coming together. My hope lies in Jesus Christ. My hope lies in the reason for the season, the the hope of eternity, the Prince of Peace, the reason for great joy. My hope rests in Him and Him alone. And so we see this last verse here, Matthew 12, 21, and His name, Jesus' name will be the hope of all the world. My prayer is, is that when joy and peace overflows in us, people see the hope in Jesus Christ that we have. Father God, would you just, as we leave here today, God, I know there are those who are struggling with joy and peace. 
God, would you give us some practical things we can do to make that overflow in our world and in our lives that we might be an outward sign of hope to a lost and hurting world? God, would you just give us joy and give us peace, those who are struggling with it? Would you pour it out on us through your spirit? And God, may it overflow in us and reflect onto the hope that we have that a lost and hurting world, a world for a, full of chaos and conflict, would see the hope we have. In your son Jesus' name, amen.